Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. On the show this week, after many months of public speculation and debate, the All Blacks Rugby World Cup squad is announced. We discuss Coach Steve Hansen's selections and hear from the man himself about those who missed out. The Warriors' 20th season in the NRL is over for another year. We look back at the disappointing result for the New Zealand club. And New Zealand rower George Bridgewater talks about his return to the sport and his Rio Olympic ambitions. So to start the show this week, we are joined by rugby reporter Barry Guy to discuss the All Blacks Rugby World Cup team naming. Barry, any surprises for you this this year? Well, I suppose we were all debating beforehand who we thought should be in and perhaps where the mix uh, should be, how many locks, front rowers and all that sort of thing. But now that it's been named, I suppose, Matt, you look at it and you think, well, you know, fair enough the side that they've picked. Uh, I was at Parliament when the squad was announced, and my one surprise uh, was uh, Waisaki Naholo, who hadn't played since uh, he fractured a bone in his leg uh, earlier in the season. And I'd more or less discounted him because I thought, how could you take someone to the World Cup that hasn't played uh, any rugby in the last couple of months? Steve Hansen... Uh, did say that uh, the reason they have picked him, it was it was to do with risk and reward, and they felt, well, the risk is that uh, he's not going to be available for the first couple of games, but the reward is that he is a very special player who has X-factor and can be a game-changer. And so, yes, I think he's uh, the plan is that he'll be available for the third game, possibly the second game, but uh, that he needed to be there because... It uh, it wasn't about just defending the title with uh, you know good players. They needed, as I said, X factor players to win the title again, and he was one of those. So so his selection uh, did surprise me a little, and I suppose the other one was uh, Nehi Milner Scudder. But when you think about it, really, he's had a couple of good tests again. Possibly a player with X factor, a, a guy for the future. And his selection in there, perhaps the head of uh, Corey Jane or Israel Dag, um, may have ra- raised a few eyebrows. But I think generally, um, it's it's a pretty good side with only three locks and the extra loose forward there. And that um, you know, it it would be the side really that is is the form players and those that deserve to be there. And when you do think about it, these two guys are guys that have only played against teams like Argentina and Australia. So the rest of the world has no idea who they are and what they're capable of. Do you think, though, they've, they've only got three caps between them as All Blacks, do you think someone like Gilbert Anoka is going to have to sit down with them and tell them, look, you, you are inexperienced, but you still can win this World Cup with this All Black team? Uh, firstly, I think, uh, as, as you mentioned, Milner Scudder and Naholo, having not uh, played too much rugby 
in a way, will help the All Blacks and will get the opposition sort of uh, doing a lot of video analysis. Um, yes, uh, Milner Scudder um, seemed to be quite nervous when we spoke to him after his selection. That was possibly to do more with... Uh, perhaps shock in some way that of his selection and, and Naholo the same. But there seems to be this environment within the All Blacks uh, of recent years that you've been selected to carry on doing what you have shown got you selected in the first place, you know, for their uh, super rugby sides. And the players seem to take that on board and run with it. And so... You don't tend to see the All Blacks, uh, the new guys, sort of uh, uh, recede back into their shells in some way. They 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 have that spark, and so I expect that to continue. And now Gilbert Anoka, but the likes of Richie McCaw and the other senior players, and the guys around them, the Conrad Smiths and Ma Nonus and Ben Smiths, um, they will say, "Just do what you normally do," and um, that's what you're here for. And I expect these guys, you know, if they get onto the field and um, play regularly, that that they will do that. They'll get tested, of course. Uh, the high ball, you know, uh, everyone will think, you know, these new guys. Let's just pepper them with high balls and see how they do. Um, and and that that'll be something that I'm sure the All Blacks will pra- practice plenty of because it was a key for them in the last World Cup, you know, um, dismantling the high balls, that, um, you know, all going well, they should come out on top of it, OK, and, and impress. And we do th- when we do think about Nehe, he is, uh, you know, fa- he favours the fullback position, so he should be used to that high ball to some extent already. We'll move forward now to the Fords. Uh, as you mentioned, there are six Lucys and three locks. Do you think, uh, I mean, someone like Liam Messam, who missed out last uh, last time and going into the World Cup, coming back this time, the world of confidence that will do for him going into the tournament? Uh, yes. It's, it's, it's a difficult one. You're going to start with Richie McCaw at seven and Kieran Reid at eight. I still think the number six position is up for grabs because I don't know if Kainal has been in the form this year that is shown uh, previously. So I think that's still up for grabs. Uh, you know, Messam could play there, Victor Vito could play there. Uh, so I think when it comes to the loose forwards, it's it's really who's going to take number six and what the mix is going to be in the reserves because you do need cover. So does Sam Kane automatically get a place on the reserves bench? Um, he could come on at seven and I suppose McCall could go somewhere else or do you put Victor Vitor there because he can more or less play all three positions uh, and therefore does he get the opportunity to shine a bit more I, I I think that's possibly one of the major selection dilemmas in this World Cup for the All Blacks is what the mix is going to be uh, in the forwards um, Possibly they won't even take a lock as a reserve into a match also. They're bound to try that during a a pool game because the Lucys can cover it lock as well. So I do think that that mix there is quite interesting. Messam, he missed out on the last World Cup. He's got plenty to uh, play for. Um, But I think it's all very even uh, in the loose forwards, as I say, especially who's going to sit on the bench. Barry Guy joining me there to discuss the All Blacks team naming for the Rugby World Cup starting later this month. Now, while there were 31 men named to fly to England, there were over a dozen who didn't get picked. Big names to miss out on a spot include the likes of Israel Dagg, Corey Jane and Charles Piatau from the back three. 
Coach Steve Hansen addressed media to discuss how hard it was telling those 12 who didn't make it why they didn't. We can only take 31, but we're fortunate enough to have you know another 12, 15 players who are uh, very, very good rugby players and, and could be uh, required, and, and they're part of our family. So you know, with all family members, you want to stay in touch with them and you want to keep them uh, motivated and you want to keep them uh, excited about. Uh, you know, a prospect of maybe still getting an opportunity. Have there been many complaints or grievances, or has everyone been pretty understanding? Oh, it's just not about complaints and grievances. It's about understanding. You know, understanding is the key thing to being able to accept things. And so we've given them plenty of opportunity to ask the questions they need to ask, and and um, made it very clear, you know, what we want. So understanding is. I would say would be very, very high, and they're in a position today to be able to hear it. Like if you try and tell them these things, along with the bad news at the same time, they just don't hear it. So yeah. some players that maybe feel quite hard done by, like Charles Piertel played very well. Yeah. How how the meeting go with him? And maybe Pretty good. Through? I mean, uh, again, it was about getting some clear understanding, and he had some thoughts, and he expressed those, and you know, we we um, we had ours. So. Now, by the end of the meeting, there was great understanding, and, and uh, you know, he's getting himself ready uh, to, to play for ITM Cup and be ready if he's needed. Anyone throw you a curveball, Steve, what they, they asked? No, no, not really. Most of the questions are pretty predictable. You know, and the, and the first thing they, they want to know is why. And you know, you can only be as honest as you possibly can be, and, and uh, you know, that's been our our ethos right from the word go, honesty, and whilst they may not agree with it, you know, they can never come back and say, well, you know, you weren't honest with me. So, um, you know, again, it comes back to that genuine understanding. Anyone give you the third degree? No. <laughs> no. Steve, um, Israel and, and Corey Jane in particular, immediate, in the immediate aftermath of the, of the team, they may sort of hinted on social media that they felt like their careers were over, it's just cleared that up for us, but what do you say to those guys who have missed out on this, you know, the lifeline's still there? Oh, look, social media for, is a wonderful thing, but it's, it's, an, it's also a problem, isn't it? Like, you know, because people sometimes use it when they're emotionally in a state that when they have time to sit back and reflect, um, they probably wouldn't do it. And... Uh, you know, like as he's 27 years old, like he, he could play another 30 test matches. He's got the capabilities and, and the ability to do that. Uh, Corey's 33, and you know, there's still we've got still guys older than that on the team, so he's capable of playing more. But what they've got to be able to do is go away and, and uh, reflect on the messages they've had today, and 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 um, you know, bounce back. And yes, it's a bit of adversity, but how you deal with that's important too. Um, and, and enjoy, you know, enjoy their rugby. They've got an opportunity now to play some uh, football that's not pressured. You know, like the one thing you get with the All Blacks all the time is constant pressure. And sometimes uh, it's 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 good for a player to be able to step back out of it and actually realise that oh wow, this is why I enjoy playing. And uh, you know, get back to trusting their instincts and and you know, continue to work hard and then come back into it. And I'm sure both of them are more than capable of doing it. In fact, all the guys that have missed out are all capable of doing it. Some of them are going offshore, so they may not get the opportunity unless there's injuries at the World Cup. But um, you know, that, that's a choice they've made. One man Steve Hansen mentioned there was Israel Dagg. 
He caught up with media following his meeting with the coaching staff to share what the last week has been like. Oh, you know, it's disappointing. You always want to be involved in that squad and, and make the team, but uh, obviously I didn't, so I've just got to move on really quick and um, you know, get home and work hard. And, and you know, I know I'm only 27, it's not over, so just keep working hard and um, hopefully I'll be back again. What's Steve told you today? Have you had many questions for him? Uh, we had a good talk, but you know, not going to go into details about it. Just we had a good yarn, and you know, he's still a friend and he's still our coach, so it was uh, good to have yarn and just have a good, good chat with all the selectors. Was your, your gut feeling that you weren't going to get there, or what, going into that, that World Cup, maybe? Uh, you never think like that, mate. You always think that you're going to be there and be a part of it. So for me, I was just, you know, uh, just waiting for it until it got announced, and then you found out it didn't. So uh, had a couple of days to. Yeah, get around it and um, heading back to Hawke's Bay and I'm looking forward to playing the Shield Challenge this weekend. Israel, your initial tw- tweet on the, on the matter, same as Corey, it sort of almost sounded like you guys were retiring yourselves. So as, <laughs> as you just mentioned, you're only, you're only 27. Was was that just uh, came across wrong? Or was it just yeah, it just came across wrong. I just, uh, you know, it has been a hell of a journey and um, you know, you never know, it could be my last or I could be back. So, um, yeah, I just, I just signed off like that and everyone's kind of thought it was the last one. But for me, I know it's not last and I want to work really hard. And, you know, I've got a good couple of weeks with Hawke's Bay and I want to go back and work hard with those boys. It's a great culture down there. And um, and then have a great pre-season in Super Rugby and then get into it next year. So that desire for you to wear that black jersey is still just as strong as ever? Oh, for sure. For sure. I, you know, I'm 49 tests, I'm 27 years old. And hopefully I can uh, get back into that jersey. But I know it's going to take a lot of hard work this you know, so much competition in New Zealand rugby, and um, you know, if I get there, I'll get there, but if not, I'll just keep working hard. Israel Dag there. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. This year was supposed to be a celebration for the Warriors after their 20th season in the NRL competition, but it has felt more like a wake at the Auckland-based club in recent times. The Warriors go into Sunday's final game of the season against Canterbury Banks down in Sydney, having lost their last seven games on the trot, and once again have failed to make the top eight playoffs. It's the fourth consecutive year the Warriors have failed to do so, and they've fallen this year from fourth position on the ladder to twelfth in recent weeks. The Warriors coach Andrew McFadden says the end of the season has been incredibly disappointing, especially considering how well they were doing for the first two-thirds of the competition. He says despite the result this season, he believes the Warriors do have a brighter future. It's very hard to see at the moment the improvements we've made, but we certainly have. There's a good spirit here regardless of you know the circumstances at the moment. There's a lot of hurt at the moment as well and disappointment, which is hard to take because you know they've had a lot of disappointment in the last few years. So you know, we felt like we made some real ground, but it's not showing at the moment. Andrew McFadden says he understands Warriors fans' disappointment over their recent performances, and he says the side needs to be better prepared for serious injuries like playmaker Sean Johnson's. Johnson suffered a season-ending ankle break during the Round 20 match against the Manly Sea Eagles, but Johnson himself says his team doesn't rely on one player and believes some of the criticism towards the team is unwarranted. You've got Tui just filling in at half-back and... You've got Sam Lasoni that's having to play bigger minutes. You know Solomon, who's played every single game this season. You know it's it has to take its toll. So yeah, I think that whole story that the media try to run with their one-man club and they're in trouble. That's just a that's just an easy way out. That's a that's a title to a story. 
But the former Warriors and Kiwis coach Frank Endicott says the Warriors' slump in the competition can be put down in some part to Johnson's injury. Endicott says when Johnson is fit again, the club has no real excuses for a poor season next year and believes the side should at least finish inside the top four. You've got the fullback coming in, uh, to Roger Tuivasa-Shek, one of the most exciting players in the world. You've got Isaac Luke at hooker. You've got Sean Johnson at halfback. Now that is, without doubt, the most exciting rugby league spine in the world. So there's no reason not to play attractive rugby league and winning rugby league. Frank Endicott says it's natural for Warriors fans to be upset with the side and believes blaming the head coach for the poor performance is unfair. He believes that Andrew McFadden and Warriors Chief Executive Jim Doyle are moving the club in the right direction. I'm of the opinion that he should stay, and uh, I've always been of the opinion that every coach should have three full years to uh, show his wares, and uh, he's had a full year and, uh, and a part year, so he needs another full year under his belt. Former Warriors and Kiwis head coach Frank Endicott. The Black Caps will get just three days of match play in Australia with the controversial pink ball ahead of the inaugural day-night test against Australia in Adelaide in November. New Zealand cricket has confirmed the Black Caps will play a two-day match against Western Australian eleven in between the second and third tests. New Zealand will also play a one-day match with the pink ball in their tour opener against the Prime Minister's eleven in Canberra on October 23rd. NZC General Manager Lindsay Crocker told Stephen Hewson there was limited opportunity to get further match practice in Australia. No, um, to be honest, you're straight off two test matches, so it's pretty important they don't get into a highly competitive match anyway. The key is just to get some uh, some opportunities to work under lights, but not in a high-intensity game. Um, um, there's two match- test matches back-to-back, and then an eight-day match between the second and third, so... Uh, there'll be a really important balance between recuperating off two tough back-to-back tests and getting ready for pink ball. So the rest batch balance is to have a uh, a game as we as we describe, which gives the batsmen bowlers an opportunity to bowl under um, under under the lights with the pink ball. But equally, it doesn't mean that the bowlers have to put in um, extended spells in highly competitive situations. So that, that's why it's crafted that way. And you've got the one dayer as well, the first tour opener. Yeah, we've got a tour opener, tour opener before the first test is a pink ball. Um, but it's important that we've got the, the, the first two tests are, of course, a red ball. So Cricket Australia gave us an option to play the four-day warm-up game, uh, which is um, in Sydney, uh, which before the first test. And they gave us, it's, it's at a lit venue, the Bankstown Oval, and they gave us the option to play that as a pink ball if we chose. They are very keen for us to have... Uh, and be very comfortable at playing that pink ball test. They they gave us the option of playing that first-class game just before the first test as a pink ball, but um, after consultation with the team, and, and you know, we certainly thought that the best thing to do was rather prepare for the pink ball test at that point. We are preparing for a, a red ball two-match series as well, so uh, we, we we chose to take that four-day match as a red ball game leading into the first two red ball tests. Uh, but then do our full uh, pink prep straight after the second test. Presumably there's a fair bit of prep going on too now with the pink pink ball. Yeah, they've had pink balls for a while. Um, uh, when we were in England in June and the team was there, we managed to get some off Kookaburra and the guys uh, were getting used to just having hit around with them in training sessions. Uh, they've had uh, another issue of them since. Um, the key is to be able to practice under lights 
race as well. So we will um, have training opportunities leading up to the first test, quite apart from, I'm oh, sorry, the third test in Australia, quite apart from that, that hit out and that match situation against Western Australia in 11. Um, uh, but also what we're looking to try and do before they tour um, is we're just trying to set up a little two-day, again, um, non-competitive match in Hamilton before that guys set up on tour as well, just to give them an additional pink ball opportunity. And the key... They'll, get, they'll have plenty of practice hitting around the nets um, and, 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 and drilling um, a variety of uh, drills during the daytime, but the key to them is to give them an opportunity, especially the batsmen, an opportunity to um, to bat during that key change of light time. So that's what we'll take as many opportunities as we can get through with Hamilton, Canberra and, and Perth and Adelaide for that to happen. The comments from the bowlers have been about concerns about the lack of swing. Is that still coming through? No, although there's comments for that. I think there was a bit of trepidation early on, but certainly the players are, are so more accepting of, the, of their role in this. They, uh, we had a good chat to Brendan and his team. Um, whilst that decision was being made, we wanted to um, have, um, we wanted the players to be very supportive of it before we agreed to playing the Test match uh, against Australia and Adelaide. Uh, the players were of the view that this is um, an inevitable consequence playing pink ball Test and. Um, that here's an opportunity for them to play the first one. So um, they're looking forward to it. Um, there's a little bit of unknown, I guess, around um, some of the uh, characteristics and the way the ball might behave, behave in the evening uh, with the, the pink, whether it behaves differently to red. And indeed, just the nature of Adelaide being um, the fact that the ball tends to move around less there, it seems, than anywhere else. So... All of those things will, will become variables on the day, which I guess we won't really know until, until the match itself. New Zealand Cricket General Manager Lindsay Crocker talking to Stephen Hewson. New Zealand Olympic Committee Chief Executive Karen Smith has been elected Vice President of the Commonwealth Games Federation at their General Assembly held in Auckland this week. Along with the presidential elections, the Federation also decided what sports would be compulsory and optional from 2022 onwards. The host of the 2022 Commonwealth Games was also named. Durban won that bid after going uncontested. Durban's win could spell disaster for the New Zealand track cycling team though. Track cycling is one of the Commonwealth Games' optional sports and Durban doesn't have a velodrome capable of hosting it. The South African government has also said that building a velodrome wasn't sustainable but they were open to discussions. Karen Smith spoke to media following the announcement about what future track cycling has at the Commonwealth Games. I don't necessarily get a sense that there's a groundswell of support within South Africa for track cycling and um, that makes it all the harder. There is limitations with facilities and track cycling as a sport, um, I understand, hasn't had a great deal of traction. So for example, um, I don't think there was any cyclists on the track from Africa and Glasgow. So it gives some perspective to where it fits in, in the national um, psyche. But notwithstanding, they have heard the um, importance because the reality is track cycling is an important sport to leading Commonwealth nations and it's a very appealing sport in terms of broadcasting rights. So it certainly has an important part to play, as does gymnastics. 
Um, so gymnastics is an important foundation sport here in New Zealand and in terms of international broadcasting is significant. So there's always ups and downs and I think, I, I have a sense there'll be quite a lot of discussion around the inclusion of those sports going forward. Karen, have you spoken to anyone at Cycling New Zealand about the potential that track cycling won't be in Devon? Yeah, we've, we've been in ongoing communication for some time. I mean, it's interesting because track cycling has been an optional sport for some time. However, it's been on every programme since um, 1933. So it's, it's obviously one that, that is, um, you know, held pretty dear to people's hearts, and that includes Delhi, of course, which, you, you know, you don't associate with a lot of cyclists in, in India. So I think there's a lot of discussions to be had, and what the Commonwealth Games Federation are doing is putting the challenge back to international federations to say, if the Commonwealth Games are important to you, and it is an important part of development, then how can you help us make it a reality? So I think the challenge is there, and I'd like to think that it might be optimistically, you know, the baton picked up. And we'll continue to work with our friends from Durban 2022 and the Commonwealth Games Federation. If, if they come and say, look, financially it's just not doable in terms of construction, etc., etc., it would then be a case of, of cycling, for example, just having to take a hit and sit one out. I guess that's I guess that's the reality. Yeah. Um, there are continual evolutions, as I understand, around um, temporary builds. However, for velodrome, and I think there is, you know, the challenge I think was put there today from Durban 2022 to say that they have, you know, an appetite to look at it, and they just need some more resources to be brought to the table. That must be quite concerning, though, going forward. Um, if bid cities don't already have a velodrome built and then New Zealand could lose out on quite a few medals with our track cycling programme being so strong. Mm, it's, it's, a, it's a significant concern. And I, I don't only think that that's a Commonwealth issue. I think it's probably an Olympic issue as well. The challenge has been put there as part of the Agenda 2020 in the Olympic world for, you know, for, for this to be a reality for cycling globally. So, you know, I, there was some statistics yesterday about the number of velodromes throughout the Commonwealth and... You know, I, I thought it was surprisingly low, to be honest. So it's clear that as a sport, you know, so track cycling and cycling have some challenges around ensuring there's a widespread, I guess, engagement with their sport. NZOC Chief Executive Karen Smith. The New Zealand rower George Bridgewater says he's very happy with his return to the sport, which may result in a trip to the Olympics. After winning a bronze medal at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, Bridgewater went back to study and then concentrated on his career. However, last year he decided to leave a job in Singapore and return to New Zealand with his family to try and crack the New Zealand rowing squad again. The 32-year-old is currently at the World Championships in France as part of the men's quad and he says he's really enjoyed it. Being on tour is, is a bit of a, um, you know, it's a bit of a shock back to the old days of sort of just rowing all the time. Um, but no, I, the, on the rowing side of things, is, um, it's, it's, everything's progressed a lot better than I could have hoped physically and, and mentally, yeah. I suppose there was a bit of apprehension because uh, there was sort of expectation or people were sort of looking at you going, well, you know, can you just uh, get back into it? And, but obviously you have. Yeah, well, I guess there's always that question and, uh, you know, the whole, whole reason why I needed to trial to get back into the New Zealand team. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing nothing for free or nothing for granted um, given, handed out by Rowing New Zealand. Um, but, the yeah, I mean, all the sort of the performance markers on the erg and in the boat and, and everything have been, you know, really solid. So 
I'm, I've been particularly happy with that. But it's, it's you know when we get into the 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 sort of the sharp end of the season, there's there's you know there's, we're a crew essentially, and um, there's there's a lot of variables. So um, we're, we're and, and we're a new crew as well. So hopefully we can build as we go from race to race, and you know hopefully we can qualify the spots come Saturday. So what were some of the reasons for you wanting to come back and, and have you uh, have you fulfilled some of those? Yeah, um, I mean I, I was sitting at my desk, had a pretty comfortable job in Asia and um, I just, I guess I, I wasn't quite satisfied with my, um, uh, I guess, w- what I was working towards um, and I really felt that I had left um, some good performances on the table in in the rowing realm, um, and and yeah, so I I kind of felt that if I didn't address these now, then then I would be um, regretting it in 30 years time um, if I'm still around then. But uh, and and you know that that was I guess my motivations, and and have I addressed them? Yeah, so far. I mean, if if I fail, then at least I'll. I'll um I will have will have had a crack and had a go at it um and yeah I, I hopefully that will give me a little bit of closure but um I, I definitely think there's there's a lot more um in the tank in terms of um you know not I guess missing out um like we did today uh, and and hopefully that can that can come through on Saturday and then onwards. Uh... I, I know business can be pretty cutthroat, but uh, as has been pointed out, um, making a New Zealand rowing squad is is pretty much the same. There's no, uh, you know, uh, free rides or anything there, are there? No, 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 no. And, and uh, you know what you've done before, um, it's I guess it's nice, and they'll they'll take more of an interest in you. But certainly, um, I guess. Yeah, last year I I needed to do the trials just to get back into the system and improve myself and, and um yeah and and so that was that was I guess an experience something that I'd never done before just to get into the squad but uh, but that's that's the caliber and the standard of the squad nowadays um, and uh, and they they needed to check if if I'd been uh, doing I guess what I said I'd been doing in terms of training and, and performances. And uh, challenges, uh, you have a family, I understand, so that's, um, you know, the challenges are around that as well now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're um, first and foremost, I've got, I got a um, three-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter um, and, a, and a wife back in Cambridge, so I'm, you know, sort of looking forward to seeing them in a few days' time and, and spending a bit of time. I think I've got a bit of daddy time to catch up on and and uh hopefully the kids recognize who i am when i walk through the door um and uh, you know just like with their own there's no guarantees that uh that they will yeah, i've been away for three months now so in the context of their little lives it's um it's a decent chunk of it so yeah i mean it, it's i'm really looking forward to to seeing them and, and getting back home but uh yeah we've definitely got a job to do before we before I can, I guess, um, that that becomes a reality and, and it would be that much sweeter if we come back with the um, objective complete of qualifying for the Olympics. New Zealand's rower George Bridgewater there with Barry Guy.
that's extra time for this week. Feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our email sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chitterton. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.